Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering are the Phoenix Suns, the favorites in the Western Conference. Very interesting topic. I don't think so. Not yet. Can the Pac-12 win the national championship in college football? There was a great game yesterday that we'll get to. But we all know what we know. And that is the Chargers have a big, big game tomorrow night against the Dallas Cowboys who come rolling in the town. We know what they are, which is a great defense, a great defense, great pass rush. Micah Parsons, one of the best players in the NFL. He's top five without question. Some folks may put him at number one or number two or whatever. Doesn't matter. He's a top five player, no matter how you put it. But they don't have a great secondary. Uh, their secondary can be had. Diggs is out for the season. They don't have him anymore. And also, with this pass rush, you can run on this team. So you can run on this defense. You can pass on this defense. And so it's not going to be impossible. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be impossible to beat this team just from looking at what their defense looks like. It shouldn't be. And then you look at the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, who everyone thinks is average at best, right, on a, on a good day. Like, we're not putting Dak Prescott, if we have our minds, you know, correct, if we have our brains turned on, we're not putting him in the top five, we're not putting him in the top ten, maybe top fifteen, Right? Top 15, and we're talking like number 15, 13, 14. That's where Dak Prescott is. I mean, he's not as he's better than guys like Zach Wilson and some of these pathetic quarterbacks that we see around the league every single day or um, every single week. And Dak is, you know, kind of like not bad, but he's not great. I mean, you look at his numbers. And they don't really jump off the page, right? He never jumps off the page. Like, he'll make some good throws. I mean, he has, what, a 1,000 um, yards a season, five touchdowns, four picks. Like, he'll make one good th touchdown pass a game, which you'll be like, okay, that's not bad. But then he'll have some horrendous, like, interceptions or just missing open receivers. Like, he'll do that. But against the great defenses, which they faced last week against the 49ers, and it's, I hate watching the 49ers. Like, I don't usually watch other teams like that because, you know, it's all about the Chargers here. But 
when I do watch other teams, the 49ers catch my attention the most because they have a great defense and they have an offensive system that's consistent no matter what. No matter what. And the Cowboys got crushed. The Cowboys got crushed. This team is beatable. Dak Prescott's not great. We all know that. I mean, Cowboys fans will like the, and the, you know, mainstream sports media will like to dress the Cowboys up in a costume which is fake contenders every year. They do it every year. Ever since when the Cowboys were good 30 years ago, they haven't been close to those lofty expectations ever. Never, ever, ever. Sure, they've had some good seasons mixed in. But do we ever look at the Dallas Cowboys as Super Bowl contenders? Like, think about non-Cowboy fans. Is anyone sitting up here saying the Cowboys, yeah, they're the clear favorites in the NFC or the NFL in general? No. You never do. Why? Because the quarterback is average. Like, he's average. The head coach, not great. Mike McCarthy, is he that much better than Brands Daly? Now, I think Brands Daly is worse because you can make the argument that Mike McCarthy is very conservative, doesn't do anything crazy. Now, people say that He's unorganized sometimes, too ultra-conservative, like, you know, kicks field goals when he maybe could have gone for it. But that's pretty much his style. I mean, he's not a great. He's a little stupid, too. I mean, he makes stupid comments at press conferences, you know, does dumb things, not necessarily in the football game. But then you got Brandon Staley, who, our coach, Our genius of a head coach, defensive genius, right? That guy. He will make stupid, reckless decisions like he plays Madden. Like he coaches like he plays Madden. That is Brandon Staley. That's what we have to deal with every week. We all know that. We know what we we have a head coach. It's not great. And the Cowboys have a defense that can be had. If you can run the football, you can throw it on them. They're secondary. And they do have stuff on Gilmore, but we can. he's probably going to be on Keenan. So we're going to need guys to step up. It's like Quentin Johnston. We'll need to have a plan for Quentin Johnston. Why hasn't he been on the field? It is baffling to me. Brandon Staley, like this this team, we need to have guys step up because this Cowboys, we can beat this Cowboys team. They are overhyped. They are overhyped every single year. This is not a team like the 49ers that are perfect. We need to have a plan. Quentin Johnston has the skill sets, has the capabilities, the physical tools, 
to be a really good receiver in this league. He does. Why isn't he on the field? Like, you, you can't draft a guy in the first round, the best receiver in the draft, the best receiver in the draft, everyone, all the draft experts said it. Go back and look it up. All of them said Quentin Johnston is the best player, best receiver in the draft class. In the draft. That's what everyone was saying. Everyone said it. I bought into the hype because I came on here every single week during the summer and said Quentin Johnston is going to be a huge part of this team or that he needed to be because that's the like just look at him six foot three six foot two six foot four whatever he is big body receiver he can run he can jump he's aggressive now should we expect him to be Mike Williams on day one no I don't think he's Mike Williams I think he's different I think he's a guy that's not as big as Mike Williams he's not a, just a possession receiver he can do he can get rack up yak yards what do all the great offenses have in common no matter who you're looking at no matter all the great you know the top teams that mainstream media says, well, I mean, the 49ers, they get yak yards. They're, they are the best, best team. The best team. They get yak yards. Look at the Bengals and, and, you know, that jamboree of receivers. They have yak yards. They get them. Dolphins do it. We saw that up and live in person. We saw that. We saw the freaking Dolphins and, you know, short little passes turn into 50-yard gains. 215 yards from Tyreek Hill. We saw that. We saw that. The offense has to outscore the opposing offense because the defense is not going to get any stops. The defense is not improving, okay? We have to understand that. Like everyone, I hear everyone throughout the week, when we talk about this team, say that, well, you know, the defense could still improve. Sure, J.C. Jackson is out of the building, but it's not going to get better. It's not great. Michael Davis is not some top cornerback. Can you do the bit now? Can you do the basics better than what J.C. Jackson? Sure, J.C. Jackson wasn't getting the basics down because apparently he, he, he wasn't reading the playbook. He didn't know anything. That was Staley's defensive uh, scheme crap and probably over-complex. Sure. Sure. I think both sides were to blame for this, for that being a mess. 
But the defense is not going to improve. Like, the secondary is a mess. It's a lost cause. The only hope there is Doran James. Like, if Doran James isn't out there, the secondary is absolute garbage. Because the least offenses have to think about Doran James not necessarily covering. I mean, he can cover, of course. He's really good at that. Pretty uh, best player on the team. I mean, outside of the cornerbacks, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is very, very talented. I think people shitting on him. They are looking at the wrong guys on defense, in my opinion, because he's been the best cornerback on the team by a country mile. Sure, sure Devontae Adams eats him for lunch, which he did the last this past game. He, I mean, he does it every game they've played. But he's the best cover corner. But Duran James, he, he at least makes offenses think about it. Like, he'll make Dak tomorrow night think about reconsider trying to make moves on this defense like he won't look his direction I guarantee you that some nerd out there in in nerd land some stat nerd they will have the answers to does he attack Doran James or does he go elsewhere and go after guys like Michael Davis? Who is he covering if he's on CD Lamb? Oh, geez. Kenneth Murray, where is he at? Sure, I mean, and I get it. Kenneth Murray has been playing better. He had 17 solo tackles against the Raiders. He's been better, right? But he can still be had. He's, he's still out of position on majority of the plays. He's having better flash moments, but he's got to be more consistent. If he improves, great. That's a great story. I've been shitting on him over and over again. Every time I'm on here, every week, I have hammered him down. I said it back during the offseason. He needed to have a big year in order to even stay in the league because he's been that horrendous. He's been that horrendous. He's terrible. He was a top first round pick in 2020. Herbert was number seven. Murray was in the, what, 21st, whatever it was. He was there. He was supposed to be the best linebacker, one of the best linebackers in that draft class. He's been the worst because he's not sound. He's not good because he played at Oklahoma under Leakin Riley's defense, who we just saw last night get run over by the Notre Dame running attack. That offense, because Notre Dame can't stop anything, and we drafted one of their linebackers, which is always a mistake. You can't draft a Lincoln Riley coached linebacker. They got run over by teams that can run the football. And you sign Kenneth Murray, and what are we bad at? Outside of the secondary this season, which has been a disaster, we've been always horrendous at rush defense. We can never do that. We can never stop the opposing team's running back. doesn't matter who it is. We've, with Anthony Lynn years, Mike McCoy years, 
horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. Then you go to the Brandon Staley era. The run defense has been even worse. 2021, horrendous. Got run on by every team. Even if they had a shitty quarterback, they still ran on us. Big games. Last year, big, big games. Running backs. Name the running back. They had a big game. The Seahawks came in here last year and uh, just demolished us. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't stop the run to save our lives. If our lives depended on it, we would be screwed. You would be screwed into oblivion. We need guys to step up. And, and I get it. Khalil Mack had five, six sacks. NFL record. Franchise record. But we've been run over on defense way too long. we got to put a complete performance every week. If we want to meet expectations with this team. Because, you know, a lot of folks have expectations. And we can say, oh, you know, and I also hate this. How we get down on ourselves and try to play the role of just the poor, cute losers just that just that just accept defeat. We're not going to accept that. We are not going to accept defeat. We can't just bow down when the going gets tough. And just start bitching. The fan base needs to get it together. We need to get it together. And the team needs to get it together. And they will get it together. Because they have an opportunity. Tomorrow night. To figure it out. There's going to be challenges. And I don't want to hear the injury excuse. I'm sick of hearing that crap. They're not going to be great. They are not going to be great. They're backups for a damn reason. But there's potential. They're not going to be great. I mean, the defense already isn't great. It's going to be, it's like bottom of the league. It's going to be there. We got to trust the offense to carry us. The offense comes out and has a bad start, has a bad game. We're probably not going to win. But... You have an opportunity against an average quarterback. Dak's not a great quarterback. We need to get the pass rush going. Joey Boza needs to show up again. I don't know what his injury status is. He may or may not play knowing him. He probably won't. He probably won't. And I get it. He's had a pretty decent start to the season. But, you know... The injuries and just consistent play isn't always there. Because if you want to beat the Dallas Cowboys and get them off their spot, get them off their high chair, which they get in every year, we all know, I just talked about it, they're America's team, they're this, that, and the other, they're the Cowboys, they got the big stadium, Jerry Jones, 
all that. They got the biggest fan base in the world. And the NFL. They have all this hype. Like, if they get treated like the Celtics and the Lakers, but they have 17, 18 championships, and the Cowboys haven't even been to the NFC championship game in, what, 30 years? Whatever it is. But yet we get the Cowboys shoved down our throat every week. We do. I don't watch them. I'm not a, I am mean, I, I watch. Like, I'm aware of what the Cowboys are and what they aren't. They're not a Super Bowl contending team. And I, I don't believe their offense is all that great. I mean, look at what Kellen Moore our current offensive coordinator did with Dak. He made that offense top five in the league, making Dak, he helped Dak get to places he will never be again. We're talking 30-plus touchdowns, threw a lot of interceptions, 10 to 15 a year. But that's not, that's not bad. That's not bad. For Dak, that's pretty good. That's the ceiling. That's him at his absolute best. But we need to make sure as a football team tomorrow night to make sure we don't let the Cowboys gain confidence because we do this. We don't know what we're going to get every week because some weeks when we sit up here and we get critical about the team, start causing some noise, of how the play on the field's been, how the coaching's been. We've done it. We've done it. We do it every year. We have a good stretch where we win some games in a row. We look prepared because some some one week we're unprepared, one week we're prepared, one week we're unprepared, one week we you know, we play well throughout the first 3 quarters and then we get to the fourth quarter and we fold up. Big lead blown. We do creative, we come up with creative ways to lose games because it's all about setting a tone in the opening sequence of the game. First quarter, first drive, what are you going to do? If your offense comes out and gives up a turnover or you know goes three and out, it's not a good start. That's not a good start. You don't want to do that. It sets a bad blah. A big. A big just nothing burger. To start off the game. It's deflating. It can deflate the air out of a football team. That's why it's important for your offense. to They get the ball first. To be on what we're going to do. Bang, 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 bang. Because the defense is trying to figure out what you're going to do. So you need to have them guessing and then get to the rest of the game plan. But it's tough. The NFL is not easy against this Cowboys offense with Will Clapp, the backup center being in because Corey Lindsey is out with a health issue, a reoccurring heart issue that is that he's had before, apparently. And he's out for, at minimum, four games. Probably going to be longer. 
because this would be game number two already. And Will Clapp is not a bad center. People try to defend him as usual. People try to defend this team way too much, even when they don't deserve it. And I'm, I, I get it. You got to be positive, and I try to be. But Will Clapp is a concern. Justin Herbert has to set the protections because Corey Lindsey is a veteran. He's a very smart top five center in the league. And he usually sets the protections on his own. One less thing, you know, for the quarterback to worry about. But when Will Clapp's in there, he doesn't know the schemes, the blocking schemes, similar that Justin Herbert would know him. Justin Herbert knows him pretty well, apparently. But then, well, he's the quarterback. You'd hope so, I guess. But Will Clapp doesn't know the blocking schemes, which is like he doesn't know the schemes, which is when I heard that on the broadcast against the Raiders, that was genuinely concerning. And I and I hear and we hear little drips and drops about about this coaching staff, about this regime, the Brandon Staley coaching staff. This era we're in, if you want to call it that, that's kind of insulting, but you know, whatever. It's been a lot of unprepared, unprepared play. Coaching mistakes, incompetence in game, not reading the temperature of the game, not just total BS. We see it. It's been, you know, this team has so much potential. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, got the quarterback, you got the run game for the moment, you got a defense that has. Big names. And you just can't get it done. Consistently. You need to be consistent. You had a bye week. You got a tough stretch coming up. This week you got the Cowboys and what they present. They present the attention. Everyone's going to be watching. A lot of people are going to be watching this game. Folks that don't even like the Cowboys, people that just want to see the Cowboys get embarrassed, are going to be watching this game. Because there's a narrative that the Chargers and that Justin Herbert can't win big games. We know that narrative exists. It's a bunch of BS. Because Justin Herbert's won big games over and over again. He's a 1-0 against Joe Burrow. That's my favorite stat. We know we hear about all these quarterback wins. The quarterback wins stat. That's a bunch of BS because if you watch football, if you understand how football works, you need 11 guys that work. You need... 
needed you need the entire team to be on the same page. It's not just the quarterback. The quarterback can't play defense, he can't block, can't catch the football, can't coach the team, unless you're Tom Brady. Because Herbert's been stuck with Lynn. Lynn last year of his tenure, which was a mess. Worst special teams in the league. Defense horrendous. Offense is good. Put up great stats with Shane Steichen. Then we got Staley, who's supposed to be a defensive genius. Supposed to be a genius. And he's not. Worst defense in the league, bottom five every year. It was the run defense. Pass defense was released. You know, top ten. Pretty good, actually. Made a lot of plays, created turnovers. That's why we thought J.C. Jackson was going to fit. Yeah. Just, you know, he was going to fit right on in. And it didn't work out. Couple draft picks whiffed. Jerry Tillery, that douchebag and that dirty bullshit he pulled a couple weeks ago. Total Bush League. That jackass should be out of the league. Horrible teammate. The Raiders players didn't even give a shit about him. Because he's just a bad guy. Poor work ethic. Horrible teammate. I mean, the Raiders players weren't even defending him. And, you know, good job on the team of standing up to your quarterback. That ruined that stupid, mythical leadership, question mark. That's some knuckleheads in mainstream sports bring up for some reason. I don't know where they're getting their info from. From www.madeitupinyourhead.com. I mean, this team has a lot of big challenges ahead of them that we can win. Every game's got to present challenges. The Dolphins game presented challenges. We knew that that offense was going to be high-flying to a turnover. And then you got Jalen Waddle. You got all these, you know, Tyree Kill, future Hall of Famer. Fastest player in the league. Offense, Justin Herbert and the offense did their job. They did their job. They they did it to the best of their abilities the entire game. Ran the football 284 yards, threw the football, scored 34 points. You're supposed to win that game. You're supposed to win that game. You score 34, win the game. Defense, make a play. We see it over and over again. That's like, Add that on to the list of different ways we lose. Offense has a stellar game. Defense can't stop anything. Chokes. Get shredded. Dolphins. Tyree Kill. Does anyone know who he is? Right? You know who Tyreek Hill is. Fastest player in the league. We don't cover him. That's our defensive scheme. 
That's our defensive scheme for that game. Must have don't cover them. Titans. We know what happened in that game. It was Derrick Henry. Not a big game. He had 95 yards. Titans, you know, Titans had over 100 rushing. Not a surprise. Run defense isn't great. Pass defense wasn't great either. Ryan Tannehill was 20 of 24. He was very efficient. Made big, deep balls. I mean, he was confident enough. Ryan Tannehill never throws the ball deep. He's not known for that. He's not known to be a flamethrower. He's not known to have a bazooka for an arm. He's not like, you know, these other quarterbacks in the NFL, like Justin Herbert, for example. He doesn't have his arm. He doesn't have his right arm that's explosive. That's probably more explosive than any quarterback in the league. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have that, and he was dropping dimes deep balls all afternoon. I mean, it was just too easy for him. It was just too freaking easy. Like, it was embarrassing. Like, he had no-name receivers catching deep balls. You had no-name guys. When you start having the no-name guys making plays... Gaining confidence, you're in for a rough run. Like, you're in for a bad, bad game. And the Chargers had a bad, bad game against the Titans. Can't lose the freaking Titans. They're not great. Their offense is anemic. They don't even want Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I mean, they got a quadrillion quarterbacks on their roster at the moment. They've drafted so many quarterbacks. None of them are any good. They don't even want Ryan Tannehill there. He freaking cooked us. And he was having a great game. I mean, he probably convinced himself after that game that, hey, maybe I can still kind of still play. I, I can still play. I can go be the Broncos quarterback. Because they need a new one. Vikings game. The Vikings, you know, they can't win close games. And, you know, that game was a brand Staley classic of defense. The secondary gets shredded by Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson had a big game. He had 150 yards on, what, seven catches. It was easy. Kirk Cousins had 357 yards or whatever it was. He was cooking. Offense played great. And then Brand Staley... Stepping in the spotlight again. Stepping in the way of um, of Kellen Moore. Goes forward and fourth down. Fourth and one. On your own 40, 35-yard line. And the play you choose. And, and you're doing this when you're in the lead. With less than two minutes left. You make a boneheaded, stupid decision similar to, to the... Brown's game last year and countless other examples you almost blow the game and you do a fullback dive to Joshua Kelly out of all players Joshua Kelly you freaking kidding me Joshua Kelly 
Get your fast guys involved. Darius Davis. You drafted him. Quentin Johnston. Hello. Keenan Allen. Mr. Reliable. Still. Where's he at? He didn't leave the team. You have a quarterback that's mobile. Get him involved in the game. Did similar mistakes against the Raiders. I mean, I know Herbert has middle finger bent into a Bolivian. But in that game, you still had a bad, bad ending for the team in general because the run game couldn't get going. Justin Herbert was banged up because the offensive line was getting abused by Max Crosby. He had another big game, two sacks. He was in Herbert's face all afternoon. And I said before the game that this had a chance to happen. And it did. Max Crosby, I don't know what it is, but every time he plays against us, he annihilates the offensive line. And Will Clapp's been pretty bad. And that's scary when you want to go up against a team like the Cowboys' pass rush. That's the biggest concern for, for this game tomorrow night. It's can the Chargers... Stop that pass rush. Because if they can't and if the Cowboys are teeing off, if they can just tee off on Justin Herbert, it's going to be tough to win this game and we might get blown off the field. If the offense can't get going, doesn't have a chance, they're going to be in for a rough, rough night. Then that allows the defense, which is already pathetic, to be on the field 24-7. And it's going to be a bloodbath because eventually the Cowboys offense is going to wear them down no matter how crappy or average Dak Prescott is. Any quarterback can break through on a pathetic, terrible defense. Any average quarterback can't. That's why they call it any given Sunday. Because average quarterbacks and average football team, they got professionals that could jump out of nowhere and have a big game. You see it every week. Head-scratching results. The Chargers were a head-scratching team. Because we almost in the Raiders game could have lost to a freaking backup quarterback. Aiden McConnell, whatever the hell his name is, embarrassing. He had a chance. He, you know, I don't think he started, you know, the last game. But it's like, wow, this guy, he, you know, made a few mistakes, fumbles and all that. But he made plays. He made plays that kept the Raiders in the game and relied on Josh Jacobs, um, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, you know, was quiet. He had a quiet game. He only had 75 yards. But in the second half, he made plays that got the Raiders back in the game because he was cooking on Asante Samuel Jr. Like, he was doing a decent job in the first half, but then eventually Devontae Adams woke up out of his slumber and started to do what he does. 
to Asante Samuel Jr. on a consistent uh, on a consistent basis. Now, do I believe C.D. Lamb, the Cowboys receiver, is Devontae Adams? I do not. I do not believe that at all. I do not. People try to make C.D. Lamb, and this is the Cowboys' media effect. The media tries to make you believe or tries to shove it down your throat that C.D. Lamb's a top 10 receiver. He simply is not. He's not even better than Keenan Allen, who's been in the league 10 plus years. A healthy Mike Williams is better than C.D. Lamb. He's better than C.D. Lamb. Like, what has C.D. Lamb done to where we put him on this pedestal with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, you know, DK Metcalf, pick one of the 49ers receivers, pick whoever, pick whoever you want, all the top big names, they're all better than C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's in tier whatever, tier four, tier three, tier two, depending on how you want to do it. He's not tier one, though. He's not tier one. I don't want to hear that. He's not tier one. Never has and never will be. People have tried to paint this team in a light, this offense in a light, to where it doesn't really belong. It overachieved. Kellen Moore made Dak Prescott play the best football of his career. He did that. He did that. Five touchdowns, four picks is not great. That is not great. Justin Herbert has similar passing guards. He has more passing guards than Dak. Seven touchdowns, one pick. Dak, five touchdowns, four picks. He can turn the football over. We need to take advantage of that. That's what we did against the Raiders. We created turnovers, fumbles, interceptions. That's going to be the way the defense, if we're going to have any chance for the defense to get stops, it's going to have to be through turnovers. It's going to have to be through turnovers because it's not going to happen the, happen the normal way to where your defense just you know forces a three and out. We're not that talented. I mean, we got the big names, like I mentioned every week, the Duran Jameses of the world, the Joey Bozas, Khalil Max. We have those guys. We signed, you know, Eric Kendricks, a veteran linebacker. But the other guys, the non-big names, need to be more consistent. I've said it over and over again, Duran James, he's always needed help in the secondary and the in the safety position. He needs a guy that you know that can help him out. Alohi Gilman, the fans, the other folks, the other Charger fans, they keep banging the table for Alohi Gilman. He's not that bad. He's pretty good actually. He's not a bad starter. 
He's not that good. He's not bad. I bet he's a great teammate. I bet he's all that stuff. Works hard. Works his ass off. Makes He makes good plays. But man, he makes a lot of bad ones. He's not the type of player you want when you're competing for a Super Bowl. When you're competing for the AFC Championship. When you're gearing up to face the Chiefs. You need a safety. I'm not saying he needs to be another Derwin James, but he needs to be competent. we got to be able to spend smartly, efficiently to get good players. You can get good players without throwing the bag at them. You can do that. You could have gone Stephon Gilmore. The Cowboys have Stephon Gilmore. At a very affordable price. One year deal. You know what? Five million, whatever it is. They got him for cheap. Meanwhile, you got the Chargers who are, you know, signing guys to $82 million in guaranteed money and not getting results and, you know, injuries, locker room issues arguing with coaches, not studying the playbook, you know, on and on and on. You hear about all that, but then other teams sign guys, you know, for cheaper deals and get the best out of them. Like Cleo Mack, let's just be real. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. He had a great career. He's been in the NFL for nine, ten years. Linebackers, outside pass rushers, they don't last forever. They might be causing the hits, but it builds up over time. His six sacks, it would not shock me if he doesn't have any more sacks the rest of the season. I'm not trusting it. Because some games, the first few games, Dolphins, Titans, Vikings, he was nowhere to be found. It was Tooley and Joey Boza that were getting the spotlight. And then it was Khalil Mack's turn against the Raiders. Tooley was big against the Titans. He was big against the Vikings. Khalil Mack had a historical game against the Raiders. Are we going to get against the Cowboys? I'm not just asking for six sacks. I'm just asking for consistent play. I know what we're paying you. We're paying you $10 million plus to get the job done every week. We're doing that. We are doing that. So I'm expecting consistent play. Hey, I, like, I love the six sacks, but can you get maybe two or three? At least be in the quarterback's face like... If I get to the point with you that I can't even tell if you're playing in the game or not, that's a bad sign. Khalil Mack's got to be more consistent. The defense needs to be more consistent. Duran James sometimes. It's like, where are you at? Make an impact. Create a fumble. Create a turnover. You are great at that. You can hit people hard. You can create turnovers, punch the football out. We just need to be 
smart. We need to be smart. We can't make stupid mistakes. In the NFL, if you make stupid mistakes, that may not be, you know, total world ending, game ending, but if you do too many throughout the game, they will add up. They will add up into either a loss or a close win, even though it should have been a blowout. We do too much of that. We can't do all that BS, all that shenanigans, and lose to a team you shouldn't lose to. If we get blown out by, like, if we lose, but it's a shootout, then I'll feel, you know, the same. Like, my mindset's not going to change. I mean, we, it's going to be pretty much showing what we all know, which is the offense is going to be great, but the defense sucks. But if we get demolished because the O-line can't block anyone, Will Clapp is confused, Micah Parsons is having a great game, the Cowboys' defense is stepping it up, they're mad from getting annihilated, and the offense can't do anything, and then I... And then you got the defense, who already can't do anything. You're gonna be it's gonna be tough. You're not gonna win. It's gonna be very, very hard to win when you can't trust your defense to get stops. It just is. And it's not going to improve dramatically throughout the season. Like just getting rid of JC Jackson. It's not going to fix our problems because we were already bad with them and before them. So the Chargers have a great opportunity to beat a team that everyone considers that's you know very good. I think it's misleading because I don't believe the Cowboys are some great team. I believe they have a lot of holes. At quarterback, at key positions on offense, I think their receivers are overrated. They have great pass rushers, but outside of that, you know, there's question marks. We have the capability to take advantage of said question marks. Joey Boza, Thule, Khalil Mack, they could make Dak Prescott's life miserable tomorrow night. They could make that happen. They could very easily do that. Will they? Can we trust it? Can I trust that my head coach, who is still calling the offensive plays, he's still calling them, he's still calling the defensive plays, Sometimes one week you'll have a great pass rush plan. Like it like it's not all bad, but the pass rush schemes are not bad with Brandon Staley. Like if it were if it's working, he can get after the quarterback. But if it's not, the rush defense and the pass defense is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Like I will give him credit when he deserves it, and I believe in order to rush the quarterback. His capability of doing that, it's not bad. It's not great, 
but it's not bad. It can cause some havoc, but the rest of the defense is, you know, horrendous. There's nothing great to really talk about. And that's just the hard, cold truth. <laughs> it's not great. So we can't expect a great defensive performance. But if you can cause some turnovers and Dak can turn the ball over, but if, hey, if the Cowboys line up and just annihilate us in the run game of Pollard, who's not a bad running back, he's pretty good, explosive. If you can't stop the run, and then that opens up C.D. Lamb. The cornerbacks look unprepared again. No one knows what they're doing, which is just amazing to me because, I, once again, I, and I talk about this before, how do you look so unprepared? Like, what are you doing during the week? What are you doing on Monday? What are you doing on Tuesday? And I know most teams have, what, a mandated Tuesday off. The Chargers don't need a day off. They need to be in the lab trying to figure out how to fix the defense and how to come up with a game plan that fixes their ability to stop the quarterback, stop the run game, stop the pass game, everything. Because they can't do any of that. They can't. And they're not going to because they they just don't even try to fix it. People are trying, you know, fans are like, why can't they just fix it? Because they're not going to even try. Trying is too difficult for this coaching staff. The coaching staff doesn't want to do the work to fix it. If your coaching staff is misusing players, like I don't know what it is. Is it just misusing players or are there some guys on this team that are too selfish? Are they only worried about stats? I don't know who, I mean, I'm not in the locker room every day, obviously, but is there some of that going on? Like, what is that all about? We need guys to be in the fight to not be worried about stats. We need to be worried about wins. Doing what is necessary to win the game. That's what we need. We are here to compete. We have a top five quarterback. We have an offense that can score some points. And a defense that can't stop anyone. Like when you have a defensive driven head coach, you would expect to have at least a top 10 defense, top 15, because that's where their expertise lies, which is on the defensive side of the football, and the defense is <laughs> horrendous. Like it's usually with defensive coaches, great defense, kind of average offense. But you have a top five quarterback. I mean, at the end of the day, we just have to say the obvious out loud. We just have to say it out loud. We need a new head coach. Like, I don't want the season to be a disaster. Like, I, I don't want to see the Chargers to be a disaster. I don't want to see a disaster. It's 
crappy to come on here and have to talk about a Chargers disaster. No one wants to hear it. I don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. But you got to get the head coach correct. What will it take? What will it take? Because Brand Staley is not going to magically just turn it around. I've thought it. We've all thought it. We don't want to say it. But we've had moments where we're like, huh, maybe this is a trend. And then boom, out of nowhere, he falls on his face. And the team falls with him. Like his decision making is horrendous. So we need we need a leader that has some balls and can get in guys' face. That can get in people's faces and tell them, hey, if you don't play well here, if you don't step it up, we have a standard here that we're setting. Own up to it, meet it, surpass it, or get out. Because we'll bring someone else in who wants to do the work. This team doesn't want to do the work consistently. Every single year, what do we say? Effort. Most of it is effort. Some of it's talent and the other half is effort. If you don't have the effort, you don't have the heart to want to improve to the best of your abilities. Learn the playbook. Be a difference maker. Because listen, not every team has great defensive players at every position. The Chargers are no different. But coaching matters. If your defensive coordinator, genius head coach, is putting you in wrong positions, is misreading what the offense is doing, because our defense at times is just flabbergasted of what the other team is going to do on offense. It's like, oh, you're doing this? Oh, you're doing this? Oh, why are you doing that? Huh? You're not supposed to be doing that. That's what we look like. That's what we look like every week on defense. We look petrified. We look astonished that the opposing team is either throwing the football or running the ball or whatever. We are just confused. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. You're sick and tired of it. All of us are. So we don't know what we're going to get tomorrow night. We don't know. We should win the game. Because I believe the Cowboys are definitely beatable. Before the season, I said we should be 4-1 heading into this game. Because this is a 14-win team. We have that talent. We have the talent to be great. If Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert can cook up something in the lab and get it done... Have the offense at a top level, operation-wise, 
make plays, get Quentin Johnson involved. Calamore, use your creativity, your creative nature. Get Quentin Johnson involved. Get Darius Davis involved. Make up the production from Mike Williams. Because if you can't replace it, I'm not saying totally replace it. Mix it, split it between Quentin Johnson, Joshua Palmer. If Jalen Guyton's back, get him involved. We need guys, we need contributions outside of Keenan Allen. It needs to be more than a Keenan Allen passing attack. Get the tight ends involved. We have a quadrillion. We have a quadrillion tight ends. Gerald Everett, Parham. Use them. Use them. We have Stone Smart. Use him. He's a big body guy. And then he plays like he makes one catch in the game and never see him again. Get as I uh, get Spiller on the field. Isaiah Spiller, get him on the field. Why is he not in the game? All these questions that we have, all these questions that we have shouldn't be questions. They really shouldn't be. Like we shouldn't be asking what the plan is for the first round pick in the draft. Like it's almost like at this point, if you want to give an honest assessment, it's like, why did we draft Quinn Johnson? What was the purpose in? What was the purpose? Because there's no plan. It's coaching, folks. What we can't do is, because every time we lose, the fan base gets back on board. Brandon Staley, you know, name the coach, Anthony Lynn. Mike McCoy, every time the team won a game, we all say, oh, look, it's going to be okay. He'll figure it out. Maybe we have a chance. No. Because there are numerous ways we can lose the game tomorrow. Defense plays like crap. Offense plays great. Shootout game. But since Dak has 500 yards, looks amazing. Because every quarterback has confidence against the Chargers, against this defense. Or we, Brandon Staley could choke the game away, go for it on fourth and a million, and run a fullback dive to Joshua Kelly, or a stupid end around play that goes nowhere. Some BS or quarterback sneak when your quarterback's hurt. Like against the Raiders. We can lose in different ways. Defense giving up a late touchdown. Or the offensive line sucks. Offensive line doesn't show up. Pipkins has been up and down. He's had some issues. Offensive line doesn't show up, has a bad game, and Justin Herbert gets crushed by Micah Parsons in that pass rush. That could happen too. So we should win this game. We can. Will we? I don't know, because I don't know what we're getting. I don't know what we're going to get. 
I I believe in a certain I believe forty percent that we can win this game. But the other sixty is saying, I don't know. Not sure if this is gonna be the right place, right time for this team. Cowboys just got blown out. They're gonna be mad. They'll play well. Dak will be ready to go. We won't be ready. That could very well happen. That's my biggest fear. And also the Cowboys, they could blow up. They could they could be imploding right now. Maybe Dak has a Dak game, turns the football over, and we win. That would be nice. But we can't bank on that to happen because we have to assume the worst. That's how it's been. That's how it's going to be with this coaching staff which has routinely shown again and again, week after week after week, that we can't trust them to be prepared throughout the week. Like when it's time to kick off the football, we can't trust that the team is going to be ready to go. We can't trust it. We can't assume any of that. We just can't. So, it's coaching, coaching. At the end of the day, it's all about what your head coach and your coaching staff has. The competence level. It's about connecting with the team. Organizing the team. Does everyone understand their assignments? And right now, the secondary defense, no one understands. The only side on the defense, the only part of the defense that understands what the role is, is the pass rush. That's that's it. So, right now I'm leaning 60% Cowboys, 40% Chargers. I'm just skeptical, folks. This team's going to be up and down. It's a tough stretch coming up because we have Cowboys Monday night at Chiefs next week. And then Bears, at Jets, Lions, Packers. Tough stretch. I would love a win tomorrow night. I would love a win. I would love to beat the Cowboys. I can't stand the damn Cowboys who should be called properly the Cowgirls. Because that's how they play. But knowing our damn head coach, knowing how we come out sometimes and just embarrass ourselves, that could happen too. Or we could get primetime Herbert and he carries us on his back, which could also happen. But it's tough to win like that in the NFL every week. We got too many big games this season to force this quarterback in the offense to have to do everything. So, big, big game tomorrow night. Big game. I know it's a NFC opponent, but we need this win for our mojo. This will set the tone for the rest of the season. Any hope we got, any chance we got to make the playoffs, just get in the tournament and make some noise. This is our chance to set that tone. 
We got the excuse out of the room. I don't want to hear any more about, about J.C. Jackson. I don't want to hear about any, anything like that. I don't want to hear it. It's about right now and what we're going to do in, in the next couple of weeks to set the tone for the season. This game will say a lot about how that's going to transpire. Because if we come out and play like crap and get embarrassed, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough, rough stretch. It's gonna be rough. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Alright, so switching gears here to some NBA. Did you know? That the NBA, it's coming up around the corner. Got almost, what, less than two weeks about? Can't wait. Can't wait. So, can the Phoenix Suns compete in the Western Conference? Can they reach the NBA Finals? Should they be the favorites? They got a heck of a team. Kevin Durant, we all know what he brings to the table. We know what he's done. We know what he does. The guy can drop 30-plus in his sleep. He's six foot ten, got a seven foot five wingspan. Ridiculous. Can launch it from three-point range. He can attack the basket to shoot over guys mid-range. It's automatic. League MVP, NBA champion. Bradley Beal, he can score the basketball. He's been with the Wizards his whole career. No one really talked about him because the Wizards were never great. They had a small splash with John Wall making the playoffs, but getting bounced in the first round. And he's been hurt. He was hurt with the Wizards a lot. The last couple of years hasn't played a full 82 games or even 70 plus games in a couple of years. But we know what he can do. He can score. And today's NBA, it's about scoring the basketball. If you can't score, if you don't have guys that can score consistently when your offense, when the bench players aren't playing great, it's tough to win. Devin Booker, we know what we know what he is. He can drop 70 plus. We saw him drop 71. The dude's a machine. His mid-range is very, very good too. He can shoot it from three. Gets better and better every year. He's a true point guard. Like he can play point guard. I mean, I know technically he's a shooting guard, masquerading, but man, his passing the last couple of years has been ridiculous. It's been ridiculous. Like, the Phoenix Suns, they will very easily lead the NBA in scoring. When you have KD, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker, hey, pretty damn good. And then with the Dame trade, which still makes me sick, by the way. It's going to take a while to get over that one. But they got Nurkic, 
who we know a lot of the NBA media shits on Nurkic and listen, I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's on the Joel Embiid and Jokic level. Never has, never will be, but he's not bad. Do I believe he's better than DeAndre Aiden? DeAndre Aiden's talented. You can make the argument he has more potential. But man, DeAndre Aiden, he doesn't improve. Maybe the Phoenix Suns situation got too dicey. Maybe he just needed to move on. Change of scenery. New organization. I mean, I'm kind of pissed off at the Trailblazers. But, uh, man, I love Scoot Henderson. I believe Scoot Henderson has a chance to win the Rookie of the Year. Wimby's look good in preseason, by the way. But I think Scoot Henderson, over an 82-game season, is going to prove to be the Rookie of the Year. I believe he will have a faster impact with his team than Wimby will immediately with the Spurs. But the Phoenix Suns, they got all the scoring. They got Nurkage, Grayson Allen. They added him in the trade. They got Nasir Little. He's a pretty good player, good defender. They got Eric Gordon. They signed him over the summer. You know, they got good pieces. They got pieces that are respectable. But the problem is, for the Phoenix Suns, is not scoring because they scored on the Denver Nuggets. They scored 120, 115 plus each of that six-game series. Like, we're comparing the Suns. The bar is the Denver Nuggets. And the odds right now in the Western Conference have the Suns number two. That, to me, is a little too high. Like, I don't believe... Like, we need to see it with the Suns and a, a few different areas. First on defense, their defense was horrendous. It's Kevin Durant, and I, and I just talked about it, is Kevin Durant a great scorer? Oh, yes, he is. Best scorer in basketball. You can make that argument. Or top two, top three, whatever. When you think of the top scorers in today's NBA, he still he can even his injury rattled last couple of years, he can still still score thirty points. Maybe not as consistently, not every night, but he can. He can get you twenty five every night. We know what Bradley Beal can do. We know what KD and Bradley Beal can do, but are they defensive stoppers? No, they are not. KD more so than Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal doesn't play much defense. KD at least tries. I mean, he's got a seven foot five, seven foot wingspan. He can play some D. He can bring the D and play it. But then you got Devin Booker, and he's not necessarily a defensive stopper either. The Phoenix Suns can't get stops on defense. They could have been the Denver Nuggets if they had some defense. They couldn't get any stops. And they they need to prove to me that they can beat teams like the Nuggets, who got Jokic, they got Jamal Murray, league MVP in Jokic, best player in the NBA, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon are back, KCP, Reggie Jackson, who... He's always been a dynamo scorer, not a leader of the team, but he can come off the bench and get you 15, maybe even 20. And they got a bunch of young guys. They got Justin Holiday. They got Christian, um, Christian Braun. 
They got some good young players and, and the Nuggets draft well. Maybe they'll add a veteran. I mean, they, they did lose quite a bit. They lost Jeff Green. They lost some veteran guys that contributed mightily to that team. But I believe they'll be fine. The Lakers. The Lakers, right now, in my opinion, they are better than the Phoenix Suns. Even, and I've said it over and over again, and I'm not going to get off this high horse. The Nuggets are still better than the Lakers. People are driving up or buying Lakers stock, and hey, I get it. They have a great team. they got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell, Hachimura, which they can move those two contracts to get Kyrie Irving. Because if the Lakers get Kyrie Irving, then they have a legitimate chance to win the championship and compete with the Nuggets and beat them. They got Austin Reeves. They got Gabe Vincent, which is a great move by them. J- Jared, uh, they got Vanderbilt, um, Teron Prince, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes. He's a good player. Cam Reddish, he can contribute. They got a good roster. But you add Kyrie Irving, and I get it. Kyrie Irving has his issues of not showing up to work, going crazy, going on sabbaticals in the middle of the season. But man, he was at his best with who? LeBron James. And you can criticize LeBron for whatever reason. But him and Kyrie, they were right up there with Dwayne Wade and LeBron. You can make the argument it was even better. From an offensive standpoint, it was a perfect fit. Perfect. And that 3-1 comeback against the Warriors in 20. 2016-2015, pretty damn remarkable. Pretty damn remarkable. Kyrie on the Lakers of AD. Man, I'm just saying, keep an eye on it. Russell, Hachimura, some picks. Nuggets might do it. Because is that Kyrie and Luka experiment going to work? Is that really a championship-level team? No, it's not. So, the Lakers are better than the Suns right now. They just are. Warriors, they're better. Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson. I know Klay Thompson's taking a dip. But hey, can't count him out until you count him out. They got added Chris Paul. That's going to be an interesting fit. But hey, people, it's a little weird. We'll see what they do. But hey, if any team can figure it out, if any organization can figure it out, it's the Golden State Warriors. They've done it over and over again. Steve Kerr's a great head coach. They got a great chemistry there. They got Jordan Poole out of the building after Draymond Green knocked him out. They got Draymond Green coming back, tough player, championship caliber. We all know what he brings. Andrew Wiggins. They got Kevon Looney. They got Kaminga. Moses Moody, who's a sneaky good so they got a good team, and I believe they can compete with the West because you cannot count out Stephen Curry. If the Warriors are healthy, if they are right, they will be in the mix. And then, of course, you have the Clippers. I believe the Clippers and the Suns are in the same category. The Clippers have been in this category way too long. 
we know what they got. And they got Paul George, they got Kawhi, they got Norman, um, they got Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, Batum, Covington, Zubach, Terrence Mann, Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. They got Kobe Brown, who they just drafted, who I believe could be sneaky good for him. But man, the Clippers, the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard era. A big question mark. What could have been? Shoulda, coulda, woulda been. I was excited when they joined the Clippers in 2019 on that July 4th. I was ecstatic. I bought into it. And it's been a question mark because it's a big disappointment. Because you've had injuries, incompetent decision-making, But the biggest one of all is load management. It's been killing this team's chemistry. It has annihilated it. You can't have that. If you're trying to win a championship, you got to have some chemistry. This team doesn't have it. They need to prove it. Kawhi, Paul, George, get your butts out there and play the game. You have Paul George specifically... Hasn't done anything to deserve that. I mean, if it, like, are the Clippers for real? And the Clippers are in a tough situation because they are moving into a new arena next year. Next fall, new arena. Right by SoFi, right, right next to it. They're moving out of Staples. You're moving out of there, getting your own place, start your own culture for the first time forever. But then you got these two major contracts, $45 million a year for both Kawhi and Paul George, and they've done nothing since they've been together. They did have in that run in 2021 where they made the Western Conference Finals, but we've never seen this team healthy. So, to me, I believe the Suns and the Clippers are kind of the same. They got question marks in different areas. Clippers can't get on the court, whether it's injuries or just choosing not to be on the court. And then you have the Suns that can't play any defense. So, they're both, that's a draw. And then you have teams like the Grizzlies. The Suns are better than the Grizzlies. I don't consider the Grizzlies a championship contender, and I and I know they've been a two seed, you know, top five seed. They have a lot of hype. They're young. John Morant, you got to get together. John Morant needs to get his off the court stuff together. Needs to get his act together. He's out until Christmas, twenty five games. He needs to improve, fix himself, get it together. And, you know, I, I, quite frankly, I believe the Grizzlies are an immature basketball team. They are immature. They are assholes. They act like douchebags, immature douchebags, and they haven't done anything that warrants that. If you're going to trash talk, if you're, if you're going to act a fool, win something. Win win okay 
because they got some decent pieces. They got John Moran, of course, if he can get together, if he can get his behavior together. Jaron Jackson Jr. is very talented, talks too damn much. Marcus Smart, they got a veteran in there. They got Dylan Brooks out of there. I believe he was a problem. Luke Kennard, he's a smart player. Steven Adams is a great teammate. They got Zaire Williams, he's talented. Brandon Clark, he can play. Desmond Bain. They, got a, they have a lot of good young players. They need to be mature. And it starts at the top. Starts with Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson. Maybe Marcus Smart can work it out a little bit. But if you piss off Marcus Smart, that could that could detonate that whole situation. Because if Ja Morant comes back and he's the same old Ja Morant, oof, that's not going to be good. And who knows what the Grizzlies look like without Ja Morant. Who knows? I mean, I know there's this crazy stat where the Grizzlies had a winning record of Al John Morant. They had like one loss and like 10 wins or whatever. We'll see if that's for real, but I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical because they don't have Tyus Jones anymore. He's with the Wizards and that Marcus, in that Marcus Smart trade. Can Derrick Rose fit in? Can Derrick Rose fit in as a backup? Can Marcus Smart, can you trust him? Because, man, he was inconsistent with the Celtics, and he killed them in that Miami Heat series when they were trying to come back. So, Grizzlies, I don't I don't believe, are contenders. that You know, they're in the same category as the Mavericks. Could be good, but not good enough. Timberwolves, I love Anthony Edwards. Great player. Great young player. Had a great summer of Team USA. And gets better and better. But Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, the two big men, I don't trust them. Rudy Gobert is not good enough consistently. Carl Anthony Towns, same problem. Talented. All the potential physical tools, mentally weak, soft, can never handle big moments. Anthony Edwards wants the big moment. You have a veteran point guard in Mike Conley. You got Kyle Anderson, who's a good player. You got some good pieces on this team. But the two other stars, Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, doesn't work. That Gobert trade looks stupid. Walker Kessler would be a great fit of the Timberwolves. But no, they wanted Rudy Gobert. Like that was going to help Carl Anthony Towns. If I'm the Timberwolves and, I'm, and if you're having another iffy 50-50 start, you know you win, like like if you're in the pattern of winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, inconsistent. You need to consider trading Carl Anthony Towns. Start shopping him, because I was maybe thinking, could the Timberwolves make a move for Dame? Because imagine Dame with Anthony Edwards. Hey, I, I wanted him in the Miami Heat, but damn. Anthony Edwards and Dame. Whew. It would have been that one. It hurts more that he went to the Bucks. Like if he would have gone to the Raptors, so, okay, whatever. The Raptors aren't wanting anything. If he would have gone to the Timberwolves, that would have that been nice. You get Carl Anthony Towns out of there. 
Oof, that would have been interesting to watch. Maybe not championship contenders, but man, Carthony Towns is, I believe, a problem. Anthony Edwards, he can play. And then also you got the Kings. They got a young team. My biggest question mark is Sabonis. Can he get better? Can he improve whatsoever? Because we all know what De'Aaron Fox can do. He's a scoring machine. He can play defense. He can shoot the basketball, play make. Harrison Barnes, we know what he brings. We know what um, Kevin Herter can do from three-point range. Malik Monk is a great dynamo off the bench. He can also start. But it's all about what Sabonis can do. Because at times in that first-round series, he had moments of greatness. Then he had moments of, oh, no, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you just disappeared. So, right now, I believe, when we look at the NBA Western Conference landscape, the Phoenix Suns are a tier below. The, uh, there are two tiers below the Nuggets, who are the favorites, and they're below the Lakers and the Warriors. Like, they're in that mix with the Clippers. Could be good. Could be. The potential is there, but can they get it together? I don't know. Can the Suns play defense? That was a problem. They could score with any team in the league, but can they stop the opposing team? I don't know. It's the same problem with the Vibes in Brooklyn. The Nets. Offensive firepower, James Harden, Kyrie, KD. They had other issues too, Kyrie, but they could score, but they couldn't stop anyone. They didn't have defensive stoppers. Maybe the Suns added some. Because Grayson Allen, he's a, you know, a dirty player from college, and that BS. But hey, he made some plays. He can make some defensive plays. He can cause some havoc. He can get in your face. So, we'll see if the Phoenix Suns, I believe, though, they are third at best in the Western Conference. I don't believe that they are better than the Lakers. And I don't believe they're better than Nuggets. Like, I believe the Nuggets right now, I don't believe there's any clear favor in the West, but the Nuggets right now are the favorite. Have to be. Because they still got that, that nucleus with Jokic, league MVP, and then Murray. Phew. Unbelievable. All right, so very quickly here, let's get to some college football. There was a great game yesterday. And it wasn't from the SEC. Did you know that? Did you know that they play f college football outside of the SEC? <laughs> Who would have known? And I'm talking specifically about the Pac-12. Who won't beat the Pac-12 after this season. But Oregon and Washington, that was a great game yesterday. Michael Penix Jr. was remarkable. Four touchdowns, 302 yards. Got the snot knocked out of him in that game, second half, third quarter. But Michael Penix Jr. rose up, balled out of control, and led the um, Huskies, Washington Huskies, on a game-winning touchdown drive to win the game. He showed some guts. He showed why I believe 
Washington is the favorite to win the Pac-12 because we saw last night what happened to USC. And what did I say? USC, great offense. They got Caleb Williams, who will be the number one overall pick. I don't believe this game changes that because we know what USC's problem is. We know what Lincoln Riley Riley and his problem is, and it no defense. They don't play defense at Oklahoma. They don't play any. Never have, never will. Lincoln Riley is the Mike D'Antoni of college football coaches. Great offense. He can get you to big moments, conference finals, final fours, playoffs. Can't get to the championship. Can't win it. Bad defense. No defense. Points, no defense. Michael Penix Jr. is the best quarterback in the Pac-12 right now. He's playing more consistently. I believe, though, Mike Caleb will go number one in the draft. I believe right now it's Michael Penix. He's the best quarterback in this conference. I believe he's the best quarterback on the team that I believe can win the national championship. Like, I believe right now, I mean, I know I had Notre Dame and Utah. Utah seems to be kind of out of it now. They got, can't overcome injuries. And then my other team, Notre Dame, lost too many damn games. They lost on the road at Notre Dame. I mean, they lost on the road at Louisville. Then they lost on they lost to uh, Duke or whoever it was. They lost to Ohio State with a stupid mistake. Choked late in the game. And they, they got the game they wanted. Couldn't finish. But they annihilated USC. But then they got Penix, who made play after play against Oregon. And Oregon had all this hype. They had a great great defense and, and they were top five and you know top ten. But the difference is the difference in that game with quarterback play. I believe Washington has the better quarterback than Oregon. And Bo Nix, and I know he's improved. I know, you know, at Auburn, he had a lot of pressure. He had his dad that played quarterback. But Bo Nix was a top five recruit. Top five recruit. He was considered one of the best quarterbacks ever to come out. One of the best quarterbacks in the state of Alabama, which has produced a lot of great quarterbacks, which is a mouthful to say. I mean, you got guys like Phillip Rivers, Patrick Nix, his dad. I mean, you can name different quarterbacks, but... Bo Nix is supposed to be the big, big name. Rookie year at Auburn, freshman year at Auburn, big game against Florida on the road. Auburn still had a chance to make the playoffs because, listen, Auburn was loaded. They had a lot of great defensive players. They had a great secondary. They had a great pass rush. They had Derrick Brown, uh, Marlon Davidson, big names. They needed a quarterback to make plays. And they had a bunch of field goals. They had too many turnovers. Bonix had three turnovers. Three turnovers in a game at Florida. 145 yards, 11 of 27. One touchdown, three picks. And I know this was all the way back in 2019, but he can't have that. That's a big game. You got to show up and not play like absolute garbage. And he did. He did, and at LSU, big game on the road. You have a chance to beat LSU and their explosive offense. Joe Burrow, 
Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, you can name them. They have great players all over the place on that offense, and you the defense holds them to field goals, holds Joe Burrow and that offense to their lowest scoring game of the season. 23 points. 23 points. Joe Burrow's stats were not great. He was 32 of 42, 321 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And Auburn's defense did their job. The offense did not do their job. Um, Bo Nix was 15 of 35, 157 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Costly pick. They had too many field goals. They had a lot of big drives. They couldn't cash in. They scored. They, they were able to move the football when they could, but they couldn't finish the drive. They had a field goal in the first quarter, field goal in the third quarter, and they had a field goal again in the fourth quarter, and, you know, four and out. Bo Nix has not been consistent enough. Even his first game of Oregon, and I know this might be unfair to bring up, but he got blitzed 49-3. to 49-3. And then in the Oregon State game, he had a costly turnover, field goals. The game yesterday that all of us watched, or maybe you did, that I watched, and he had a chance to slam the door shut in Washington to because Oregon took momentum of the game. They took momentum away from Washington, and that place was rocking. It was loud. And they couldn't they couldn't conquer it. They couldn't conquer the moment. Penix conquered the moment. And he deserves a lot of credit. Because Bonix had a chance on fourth down. Again, I think he had two opportunities on fourth down, and he failed. Bonix is te- I mean, listen, has he improved? Yes. He has improved greatly. And I'm not going to not acknowledge that but man in big moments and I get it you had the 2019 Iron Bowl but there was wacky plays in that game you had Mac Jones filling in for Tua defense had a bad game for for Alabama and you had too many mistakes you had Mac Jones hitting his receiver in the back and pick six missed field goals blocks it was a weird football game Bo Nix was on fire, and he can do that. He can be a Magini. He can pull a rabbit out of his hat and get some wins. And I know the situation at Auburn was not great, but in big games when you need him the most, he doesn't always deliver, and he did not deliver yesterday. Last night, he didn't deliver. Penix delivered. Like, I heard the hype before the season. I didn't know. I mean, I knew what Penix did at, at at Indiana in 2020 when he almost beat Ohio State, the team that made the national championship that year. I know it was COVID. It was weird. But Penix, man, he was, he's a baller. He is a baller. And I heard the hype, but I needed to see it. And he did. Man, he I am in. I am in on that guy. Like, he came out of nowhere for me. I thought Utah could win the Pac-12. I don't know if that's going to happen. That doesn't look too good. I think the injuries are catching up to him. I thought 
that can maybe live off of the two-quarterback system because that defense and run game, man, for Utah, it's really good. Maybe they can get USC. They can maybe potentially get USC um, when they face each other. But Utah, it's going to be tough sledding. So let's look at some of the big games from the weekend. Georgia clobbers Vanderbilt 37-20. They remain number one. Alabama escapes Arkansas 24-21. That got very close. Utah beats California 34-14. Penn State cruises past UMass 63-0. And here's my thing. I had Florida State, Penn State as my outside teams. I need to see it from Penn State. They play Ohio State next week. Get it done. Get it done. I hear James Franklin, they got they send great players to the draft. I hear about his regular seasons, his Rose Bowl appearances. James Franklin needs to get it done this season. They have, they have their best quarterback they've had. Get it done. Ohio State has quarterback issues. I believe they have a shortfall quarterback. If you can't beat Ohio State this season, you need to get it done. You need to get it done. Because if you can't beat him this season, I don't believe he ever will. And all right, so then you got Washington over Oregon, 36-33. And then, of course, you got Louisville upset by Pittsburgh, 38-21. Arizona crushes Washington State, 44-6. Notre Dame beats down USC, 48-20. Big game for the Notre Dame defense and offense. Offense scored 17 points in the second quarter and then 17 in the fourth quarter. Big game by the rushing attack. And then you got North Carolina over Miami, 41-31. to Did you see that stupid play from Miami last week? Could have ran, took in a knee, milked the clock out. They run the ball instead, fumble it. George Tech scores, wins the game. Missouri crushes Kentucky, 38-21. Oregon State pulls away from UCLA, 36-24. And those are your scores from college football from yesterday. All righty. We know what tomorrow is. Game of the week, Monday Night Football. Chargers versus Cowboys. I'm not overly confident. I'm not picking a win. I believe it's 60% Cowboys, 40% Chargers. Depends on what team shows up. If we show up and play well in defense, play well in both all facets of the game, all aspects, we can win the game because Dak's average. But if we come out looking like horse manure on defense, but the offense is playing great, then we're not going to win because Justin Herbert and that team can't do it all. We need to get Quentin Johnson involved. We need to get our young guys involved. We need to get other guys involved in offense. Joshua Palmer, let's get him the ball more. And then the defense, just you got to hang in there. Create turnovers. Try something. Secondary to get it together. And also, try to avoid Brandon Staley. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to do it. Does it every week. Going forward and forth down. We don't have to. 
making stupid scheme errors, not covering the best receiver. We know what we know. So, Dax averaged. The Cowboys are overhyped. Everyone knows that. And they could very easily implode, but who knows? Because we have a great a great knack for making teams that have that should have no confidence gain confidence when they play against us. When they play against our defense, teams gain confidence. And I'm sick and tired of it. Everyone is. Everyone is. So maybe we can overcome all of our challenges, self-inflicted and external, and rise to the occasion. So we'll find out Monday night. We'll find out tomorrow night what happens. Alrighty, that is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.